0: Welcome to the Sticks and Stones podcast, bringing you interviews with people from across the globe who are changing the face of sexual health for the better. This is the place to hear about new approaches and initiatives in sexual health, best practice, challenges, and to meet some of the people who are driving change from around the world. My name is Nick Mallon, and I administer the SDI International Exchange, or STICKS. I hope you enjoy today's conversation, and please subscribe to receive future episodes. So for today's episode, we bring you Javier Gomez from the Spanish Ministry of Health. Very interesting episode, shifting back to Europe and showing what is happening in terms of legislation over here and how Javier is working to get remote testing approved in Spain. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Javier, good morning, buenos dias, um, and welcome to the Sticks and Stones podcast, how are you?
1: Good morning Nick, buenos dias. Well, I'm really fun and really excited to to participate in this podcast.
0: Do you want to just introduce yourself and tell me a bit about your role and, and how you got into SDI? Um, prevention, have you?
1: Well, uh, I'm a clinical microbiologist. I finished my specialty in May of 26, uh, 2017. After, that I, after that I worked a little bit in the in the hospital, I just passed a state exam. So I became a civil servant here in the Ministry of Health uh, of Spain. And after that... I ended in the, in the currently uh, division of control of HIV, STIs, viral hepatitis and tuberculosis. And my, my boss, uh, Julia Delamo, just told me uh, that because I was a clinical microbiologist and I had some previous experience in, in microbiological diagnosis of STIs and so on, uh, she told me, why don't you take care of the STI program here in Spain? Because there was a lot of things to, to do. Um, I could uh, also just uh, apply all my knowledge, uh, all my previous knowledge in microbiology to the STI field. So that's how I started in the STI field back in 2019. It's been three years. So... <laughs>
0: And what a three what years, Javier, with the pandemic yes. and with everything that's going on in the world of, of health and, and STI. So quite a pessimism of Yes, life. because
1: with the pandemic, I, I had also to, to uh, stop doing my, my work in STI just to, to help with the pandemic here in the Ministry of Health. After that, uh, I had also COVID. I, it was like uh, those those years have been quite like a roller coaster for me.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully, we won't be going back there, and and the only way is is um going forward when it comes to, to to COVID. Certainly, there's there's other things going on in the world that are that are worrying, and and you mentioned the SDI program in Spain, um, Javier. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, uh, here in Spain, first of all, to understand how the STI program works, I must say that the political structure here in Spain is a quite decentralized one. I will explain that. Spain is divided into 17 autonomous regions that hold the competencies of uh, healthcare uh, management here in Spain. So, from the central state, we can't make policies that are directly to the health management. We are we can only give recommendations, and uh, all the actions that can be taken in the in the healthcare field must be consensuated with the autonomous regions. But besides that, we have uh, like a national strategic plan that has some measures related to HIV and also STIs. We have a national strategic plan for a control of STIs and HIV from 2016 to 2020. Uh, as I came here in the ministry in 2019, the plan was about to end. And at that time, we were also thinking about how could we develop a new strategic plan to give STIs like more measure and more importance that they had that been given previously. So that's what we did. We developed a new national strategic plan from 2021 to 2030 that has measures for HIV, but also uh, measures for STIs. And they are like, two different strategic plans that are joined together because HIV and STIs just share common trans, uh, transmission mechanism. Uh, they, ha- they have a lot of in common, but with separate measures because populations that are affected by HIV are not the same that are affected by STIs. Mostly they are, but there are some important differences that, that make STIs... Uh, the The point that we need to give them a, se- a separate measures in a separate plan.
0: And are you able, you know, without going into the detail of every measure, but maybe just share some of the headline measures of the the, the plan?
1: Yes, in our strategic plan, we have like four four strategic lines, which are like combined prevention, also early diagnosis, and also to strategic directions that are more focused on HIV than STIs, which are antiretroviral treatment and chronicity management of HIV and also quality of life for people which are living with HIV. But uh, STIs, STI measures are mostly, mostly inside. We have here in the first strategic line, for example, to, to promote combined prevention of HIV and other STIs, we have, for example, like uh, promoting health uh, from like a in in a in a in a positive way, just uh, focusing on um, key populations, especially uh, young people, or some way excluded from the health. Um, they they don't want to to go to. The healthcare facilities or also because there are some outreach people really hard to reach for sti prevention and control also we are focusing on on the use of preservatives um, for sti and hiv prevention and control and well and we have also more more measures but centers into HIV, for example, uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis and post-exposure prophylaxis, which are mm, measures that are strongly related to HIV, not to STIs. Also, we have a strategic line that is focused on, on chemsex and its implications in HIV and STI prevention and control, but also in uh, viral hepatitis, which are also a problem with, with chemsex. Also, and... And the second main strategic line are, which is to promote the early diagnosis of HIV and also STIs. And here in in the early diagnosis, uh, that is the, the main strategic line that I'm working. There are a lot of measures that we are trying to implement from 2021 to 2030. And it's going to be a long way because there was barely anything done here in Spain in the past years and we have a lot of work to do so we are just barely starting to um, to implement the the measures that are related to sti prevention here in Spain
0: understood so you're building the house but putting in the foundations to to measure and to to build that house. Well, and, and tell me a little bit, Javier, you said that the ministry in in Madrid can recommend, can advise, can set the national guidelines, but it's down to the autonomous community. I, I think there's 18 or, or 19. Um, how does that relationship work? Is there a good collaboration? Are they happy to participate and, you know, because a lot of the measures will, will be down to them to deliver.
1: Uh, now we have a good relationship with all the autonomous regions. But this relationship, in the, I don't know how it was in the previous years, but since I'm in here in the Ministry of Health, it's quite a quite good relationship. It's a difficult one because they are, at last, autonomous regions are the ones that are developing all the measures uh, that are managing all the healthcare. And just uh, to say it uh, directly, they are uh, who have the money <laughs> to implement the measures. So they they have the, the ability to manage everything the way they, they want. So although the relationship with the autonomous regions sometimes has been a bit difficult in the previous years, but I think that we have established like a good consensus, a good relationship, also a common like like a common path that we want all to to walk, because we are all the autonomous regions, and also the Ministry of Health is is committed to STI prevention and control, and all the autonomous regions are implementing different kind of measures. And I think we are walking in the same direction. So the relationship is, is quite easy because de- there is a, a, high de- a high degree of agreement between the Autonomous Regions and, and the Ministry. And also, all the Autonomous Regions are elaborating their own like, regional action plan for HAB and HTA Prevision and Control, which is based on our national strategic plan. So we are all currently completely aligned in all the measures that we, that they are going to to carry out
0: thank you having that's uh, that's good to know and, and good to have that alignment in terms of measurement and being able to to compare and benchmark as you as you move forward something that was very interesting in what you said earlier was around the populations and the differences between the hiv and the sti populations that you were finding in Spain. Can you elaborate a bit more about that?
1: About the uh, population, yes. For example, we have identified that also there are several key populations that are, that are more uh, at risk for yeah. acquiring HIV than um, also STIs, but there are also several populations that are more at risk of acquiring STIs than HIV. The measures can be common between populations. I think we need to to make the work to focus more on the needs of these different kind of populations and just adapt the measures to the risk of acquiring all of these diseases that they have. Instead of making general measures that, finally, they won't be able to apply because they are too general and they don't and they are not useful. So, for example, we have different kind of key populations for HIV transmission that are, for example, men who have sex with men, for example, but also people who inject drugs. These are two classical examples of key populations that are at risk of HIV transmission. But, for example, if we take a look on STIs. We can see that people who inject drugs, uh, they are not more at risk of acquiring HIV. They have different kinds of problems. But for example, young people are more at risk of acquiring STIs than HIV. Men who have sex with men are, more, are also at high risk of acquiring STIs and HIV. So I think we need to focus more on, on different kinds of populations to implement effective measures for STI prevention and control.
0: Now, we have a lot of listeners who are in the US and in the UK and, and other countries, and they won't necessarily know how things work in Spain with regards to STI testing and treatment. If somebody needs to go for an STI test, what are the typical pathways in Spain, in say, you know, a big city such as Madrid?
1: I must say that here, all the diagnosis of STI is mainly healthcare centered. I I will explain that. The thing is that people, uh, for, for example, someone that wants to get tested for an STI, he or she can go to, to the general practitioner and then that uh, the GP can order him, uh, he or she, uh, like a STI test for, for whatever STI is, syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and so on. And then he or she can also go to our STI clinic that we have here uh, in Spain. And regarding STI clinics like primary healthcare, I must say that when, we, when I started here in the Ministry of Health, the main question I made to myself was, well, it was precisely that if I want to, to get tested for an STI or if I want to get treated for, because I have an STI, where should I go or what should I do? and the answer to that question was quite unclear because we really didn't know how was the structure of STI testing or STI management in every autonomous region and because of that i developed a program to characterize all the sti clinics and sti centers in the different autonomous regions and to see which kind of model each territory of Spain had. And it was quite interesting because I have several results now. And, for example, the majority of STI attention is in specialized healthcare facilities, uh, depending, for example, of infectious diseases, internal medicine, dermatology, also um, urology, or even clinical microbiology, but not for primary healthcare. As in, in contrast with other countries, so having that in mind, the answer to where uh, should I go if I have an STR or I want to get tested. The answer is it depends <laughs> on where you are. If you are, for example, in Madrid, you can go to STI, STI clinics, but also primary health care. If you are in a different autonomous region, maybe you can only go to primary health care, and if you are in a different one, you can uh, you have to go to specialized health care, depending on dermatology, for example. But there are no clear pathways to get tested or to get treated for. For an STI, it's quite difficult here in Spain.
0: And if somebody went to primary care, Javier, would the primary care then refer them into a specialized facility? You mentioned urology or, or dermatology, and that's where they would go to do their test.
1: Yes, yes. If someone goes to, to primary care, or she would get referred to a specialized health care. But this takes, it usually takes a long time. So maybe when, when, you have, when you have the date of, of the appointment date for your to go to specialty healthcare, maybe you, you have your systems <laughs> resolved. <laughs> so it's quite difficult here in Spain sometimes to access to to sti to sti management but there is also the possibility for the people just to go directly to the to the sti clinics sti clinics are in the healthcare system but they work out like a bit independently from the system in the in the way that they don't to, to admit people, they don't they don't need to get referred from primary healthcare or speci- or specialized healthcare. You can go to an STI clinic and just get tested and also get treated by an STI. Um, they sometimes can also give uh, anonymous uh, attention. They are a bit different of the classical healthcare pathway that we are used to.
0: Thank you. But not all cities would have an STI clinic, if, if I understand correctly.
1: Yes, not all, not all cities will have an STI clinic. And, that, and that's something quite interesting, because I think every big city or at least every, not autonomous region, but every province should have an STI clinic that serves as a reference center for, for STIs in, in this region. Uh, I think that should be the model that we should, that we should have, but it's quite difficult because, because, as I have told previously, management of healthcare is not a, a state competence, it's an autonomous region's competence.
0: Yeah, I understand. So you can recommend, you can put it in the guidelines and the plans, but you don't hold the budget or the actual remit to, to roll it out.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: And and just going back to individuals testing, Javier, is it free in Spain for people to get tested for, you know, even if it's preventative for a whole range of conditions or or do people have to pay?
1: Yes, testing for STIs and HIV in in hospitals or in in primary healthcare is is free. It's at no cost because uh, if you have like an an insurance because here we have universal healthcare, So you don't don't need to pay unless you haven't got any kind of uh, documents. So you are in an irregular situation living here in Spain. We have currently, we have just uh, published a report on how is the healthcare attention for migrants and people who have not their documents Uh, living here in Spain and just highlighting the pathways and also the the problems that these people may expect when they come here in Spain and fortunately there are not many problems except in the city of of Madrid that has several um, issues uh, mainly of of waiting also several problems with bureaucracy that makes these kind of people a bit hard to, to get effective treatment for for also HIV or, or STIs. But um, apart from that, there are not big issues with that here in Spain.
0: Thanks. And other not-for-profit organisations as well that offer support and testing. You mentioned the, the migrant community and also some other subpopulations.
1: Yes. Regarding testing outside healthcare facilities... I must say that Spain has a very, uh, a very strict regulation regarding testing outside healthcare facilities, and this is quite a big problem because there are some outreach populations that can benefit from community or NGO testing because they are they are more close to the they are more close to them. They feel more comfortable to get tested than in healthcare facilities because they don't have to wait. These kind of things. But here in Spain, the regulations only allows to get tested outside healthcare facilities for HIV, nor STIs. So people cannot get tested of any STI outside healthcare facility. If the NGO has the authorization, just to, because they, they have the authorization to be a healthcare facility, they can do that, but this kind of authorization depends on the autonomous region and the requirements to have this kind of authorization are quite hard to to fulfill sometimes for the NGOs because they they're required to have a specific spaces inside the. The, the building or the, or the structure to, just to, to give attention. For STIs, they need to have a physician, and they need to have authorization for, for diagnostic tools. They need some additional resources that usually the NGOs don't have.
0: I understand. So the NGO will almost have to be considered a healthcare facility and provide a health infrastructure to be able to support people, which can be be difficult for a number of, of NGOs.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: And and looking, just doing a bit of research on Spain, Javier, and you know, looking on the on, on the web before this podcast, I saw that there's also a network or a network, there are private clinics in many cities. Is that you, you mentioned the state provision can sometimes be slow and you go to your GP who then refers you into a healthcare facility especially in the cities where there aren't any dedicated STI clinics is is there a big private market in Spain as well are you seeing
1: well concerning the the private market of clinics this is an issue that we really don't know how it is it's being developed here in, in Spain because we don't have any kind of control for private clinics. So we really don't know how they are being structured and how they are managing STIs for this kind of populations. We really don't know how they are giving the, the opportunity to get, to get tested for several STIs and sometimes... They are they give people the the kids to get tested at home, and these kind of things are not strictly related here in Spain. So I'm not quite sure to what extent they can do that. So the thing the issue with private clinics is quite unclear nowadays, and I hope that together with the autonomous regions can also give some some enlightenment to these to these issues in in the future just to make sure that also the public sector and also the private sector are going are working together for STI prevention and control
0: so there is a a communication or or a regulation piece with some of the private clinics to ensure that they're notifying the, the regional government about infections and there are common processes and standards working across the whole the whole healthcare system
1: Yes, they there are there are some revelations to make them notify and also communicate to the autonomous regions, but sometimes this communication is a little bit ineffective. So we need to, to reinforce the mechanisms of communication between autonomous regions and also the clinics, not only the private ones but the but the public ones as well and we are working at it because it is difficult because usually we although we know what we have to do we are struggling with resources because this kind of measures needs investment and resources are limited we need to invest or our government the government needs to invest in some issues that are maybe more more urgent than STI prevention and control. And we can't do that. We can't do anything with that.
0: Yup. No, I, I understand. And it's a common theme across many, many countries. Is There is a willingness and a need, but the budgets and the investment don't always follow. Now, you mentioned remote testing, having. Tell me a little bit about that, because I know you've been very active um, in terms of the projects and initiatives that you've been working on.
1: Yes, that's right. And that is because when I came here to the Ministry of Health and my boss told me what kind of things could we do to to make more um, STI diagnosis here in Spain and to diminish the, the undiagnosed fraction of STIs, I was thinking about, well, if... STI clinics or primary healthcare is completely collapsed. There are long, there are long waiting times. How could remote testing for STIs and also HIV work? I did some research and I came up with several articles across the whole world. For United Kingdom, from for USA, France, for Belgium, that were also evaluating the possibility. To remote testing, but not also remote testing, but self sampling. This distinction is quite interesting because I think that as and um, with COVID nineteen, I think we have uh, we have seen that is that the think thing that sometimes self diagnosis is difficult to understand for the for the patient for the, for the for the user, but self sampling is quite easy to understand. You just take your sample and you just send to the laboratory to get tested and also get the results with an email or a phone call or an app from from the healthcare facilities. And that's what we are currently working about. Because I thought, well, maybe this could be useful. And then it's when (laughs) all the difficulties started. Because the thing that I found, I found out was that remote testing here in Spain is not allowed by our regulations. We have a very, very strict regulations regarding remote testing and also testing delivery by mail or also patients to the healthcare facilities. We needed to change the, the regulations and changing regulations of the whole country is not easy. <laughs> it's quite difficult. It's quite difficult for us. But we are we have been working that because the main problem we had is that if we wanted to to authorize the self-sampling was that this is something that just sounds like a bit A bit strange, but just imagine that uh, the healthcare, just the general practitioner just takes you a sample from somewhere with a swab. That's understandable and then the professional just sends the swab to the microbiology laboratory and uh, and you get tested and you get a result. If you, as a user, you take the same swab and you just take a sample yourself from the same anatomical spot, and you try to send it to the microbiology laboratory. This is not allowed by law. Being the same swab, being the same sample, being the same the same spot. <laughs> so that's the that's the main difficulty we we faced when we were trying to change the regulations, and that's what we are working. Now, we are trying to authorize the swaps to be able to be used for non-professional users. If we manage to to authorise that, we will be able to to sell self-sampling pharmacies, but also laboratories, and make people to be able to get sampled at home and then deliver their samples to the microbiology laboratory and get tested there and get a result. So, So they will be able to be linked to care to the healthcare system.
0: Understood, Javier. So quite a big and complex project that you've been working on and whereabouts are you on that journey?
1: Well, we, after all the research, after all the, the difficulties, we are we are currently, we contacted with, with a swap manufacturer. We told them about this specific problem we had with the regulations and they committed to authorise their swaps for STIs and develop the self-sampling kits. So we are currently working with this manufacturer in developing the self-sampling kits, and we are going to make a study in an SDA clinic just to validate and authorize the swaps. Just to it's a study, it's a validation study to make sure that samples that are taken by a general by a professional are the same that the samples taken by a user at home or at in a non-healthcare facility, so that's what we are working now, and we hope to start the study in April, and to be and to have results by the end of May. So, uh, if the results are positive, because we have also need to, because the, the regulatory process is quite complex, because. For example, molecular diagnosis of STIs, for example, by, by polymerase chain reaction, is only also as well authorized by samples taken by professionals, but not taken by non-professional users. Even with the, the sample is the same, the machine is not validated or authorized, and we and uh, uh, we need also to to authorize the machine. And the technique for samples that are not taken by professionals. It's just a regulatory process. Microbiology, there is no differences in microbiological point of view. It's only a regulatory process. And me, as a microbiologist, I just sometimes can't understand why the regulations are like that. But this is what we have and what we have to work with.
0: But it sounds like Javier, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and you're moving very quickly. If the study's gonna kick off in April and, and be finished by the end of May, you're nearly, nearly there, Touchwood.
1: Yes, because self sampling is something that is that is currently is currently be a very, very important, and also is in the global health sector strategy for HIV and SDIs prevention and control for WHO. So all the countries are encouraged to, to develop self-sampling programs. So Spain needs to Spain needs to run. Spain needs to, to develop a solid and strong self-sampling programs that will be able to only for STIs but in the future if the self-sampling process is authorized, it could be made extensive for all the diseases. So we are just opening the door to self-sampling for a lot of diseases, which I think would make the health system just save up a lot. Because if people can take their own samples and send them to the laboratory, they, they just can save up on waiting time on queues, and they just send the sample get tested get the result and they just get the appointment with the clinician just to get the treatment they just skip all the previous process that i think could be very very good for the general population and also key populations
0: yup i i completely agree javier and i i know a number of other european union countries are at a similar phase trying to validate Self sampling. Do, do you collaborate at all with, with other um, microbiologists or people in ministries in in other countries? Have you, or is it fairly, um, or is it done on a country by country basis?
1: Well, this process is country by country basis. Although, well, I exchange I exchange opinions and also and also resources with several countries that are part of the Stix network, and I think you, you know well <laughs> about this network, Nick. <laughs> All the, the exchanges we, within this network has been quite, quite useful for me to, to see how different kind of countries are trying to resolve or to solve the same problems that we have here, Although there are a lot of different models for different countries not, and not all can be applied here in in Spain but they they give me ideas on how to solve specific problems that are that are th- that arise in the process of validating this kind of of procedures
0: thanks Javier and the, and the question wasn't intended for for, for a sales page <laughs> on the on the Stix network but thank you thank you very much the, the checks in the post um, just to, to finish, a couple of um, a couple of questions. Um, if we were having this conversation in five years' time, and I, I hope we're still speaking to each other and we haven't fallen out, um, where would you like to see the world of healthcare? What would you like to have achieved in in that period?
1: I would like to see that the self-sampling programs are fully implemented in every autonomous regions and that people find normal to get tested for an STI without any kind of stigma or discrimination that uh, they have normalized the, the fact that anyone can have an STI in their lives and it doesn't it doesn't matter it's not strictly related to risk practices or, or anything like that because STIs are there and anyone can catch an STI in any kind of in any moment of their life. So I I would like to see that STI's prevention and control is normalized in five years and that all the populations, like young people or, or also men who have sex with men, for example, talk about STIs and they have developed self-awareness about STIs and they just enjoy their sexual life because that's the point in all of this, just to to be able to enjoy the sexual life without any kind of health problem.
0: I couldn't agree more and it would be a wonderful place to be in, in five years' time if that could be achieved, Javier. And then just one last question. If somebody starting out in the world of sexual health, and this is a question that we ask on all of the podcasts, if somebody was starting out, um, what would your advice to them be?
1: Well, my advice would be, first of all, stop and look around and ask what, what has been done previously and what needs to be done. That would be my first advice. And as it was what I did when I just came here, I looked what was done previously then I try to, to plan what, what I wanted to do. And then, first of all, just ask about which kind of resources do you have to begin with? I think this is the, the main, the big question to start. Because sometimes I just found that several kind of uh, strategies or plans. Are developed in a quite unrealistic way because they, they don't take into account the resources that, that every government has. So, this is the, the main question: is that just ask about which kind of tools and which resources do you have to begin with, and then start from, from the base and then go up. It's pointless to, to develop a lot of campaigns and a lot of prevention measures if you don't know the key populations or you don't know in which way these kind of preventive measures are going to, to be implemented in society. So the main advice I, I would give is ask about what needs, what has been done, what needs to be done, and after that, start.
0: Thank you very much, Javi. It's been a real pleasure to speak and appreciate, as I do with all of the people who don't have English as a first language, the level of your English and the fact that you've spoken in a language that's not your own for for quite a, quite a period of time. It's been fascinating. So thank you. Thank you very much. So thank you very much, Javier. That was a really interesting conversation today and hopefully brings you a different perspective. Wishing Javier the best of luck in terms of his work in Spain and getting remote testing rolled out. Um, So thank you to you um, listeners and uh, we look forward to uh, our next episode and hopefully you'll be able to join us. And if you do have a moment to rate and review us, it really does help other people to find this content. And remember, you can also follow us on Twitter Under Sticks STI. That's Sticks STIX STI. Goodbye and thanks for listening. Sticks and Stones is produced by Birdline Media.